0: to startuprad.io your podcast and youtube blog covering the german startup scene with news interviews and live events Welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. If you're listening to this at StartupRate.io or Blockchain Germany by StartupRate.io, make sure you also pay a visit to our YouTube blog, youtube.com forward slash StartupRate.io to see the youtube interview this time i'm talking to two people co-founder of a blockchain startup as i was researching i bumped again into the let's say unsavory business behavior of some other people that's why i just added this, this disclaimer as opposed to the usual youtuber or podcast in the blockchain space you don't pay thousands of years to be here meaning my two guests, and neither am I invested in you or do I get any feedback. For everyone who's surprised about that, many channels work like this. Just pay attention to the people in Telegram chats who asks admins for emails and business proposals. They usually send an offer with a price tag of several thousand euros, sometimes upwards of 50,000 euros just to be on that channel. And before I forget, they usually only want cash they don't take crypto make sure you vet your blockchain information sources before you fall in those traps that said today i do have two co-founders of a blockchain startup from lovely darmstadt here with us and um we may add that at the point we are recording this you guys have not actually legally founded your startup right guys
1: yeah that's correct We are still a a university research project at the moment.
0: Okay, I see. Can you guys introduce yourself a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So welcome, everybody. Uh, My name is Sebastian Stammler. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of Perun. And um, I actually, I started studying mathematics in Darmstadt about 10 years ago, even more than 10 years ago. Uh, I was one of the last to do the diploma. Um, while I was studying mathematics, I was rather doing number theory and more theoretical stuff, but I always loved to also um, work with computers. So from an early age of 11, I started uh, programming, and I uh, bought my first SUSE Linux distribution in the Phobos computer store and uh, was n- annoying uh, the, the telephone uh, hotline of SUSE Linux for installation instructions because an 11-year-old Sebastian didn't know what partitions are. And then after I studied uh, mathematics, um, I actually went into the industry, uh, worked uh, as a financial uh, quant, so as a quantitative finance uh, analyst at Ernst & Young. And then I actually missed working in smaller uh, smaller teams, so I wanted to have more of a startup spirit, and I also wanted to work even closer with um, computer science, so I um, joined a um, rather medium-sized startup in Darmstadt, uh, working with integration software. And then after a year, I decided that I actually miss research. So I joined TU Darmstadt again to do a a PhD in computer science. So since uh, four years, I'm doing a PhD in um, applied cryptography, especially in anonymization techniques and secure multi-party computation. And then about a year ago. I uh, met uh, Sebastian Faust, he's a professor at TU Darmstadt together with a few of uh, his colleagues, for example, Lisa Ekai. And they uh, work on blockchain protocols, especially scaling solutions like payment channels and state channels. And when I met them, uh, I was very excited to hear that we actually have a research group uh, doing blockchain at TU Darmstadt. So we we quickly uh, came together and I joined the team and um, yeah, we will, we will later ex- explain you exactly what, what the team is exactly, what is the relationship to the university and how the proja- project functions. And oh yeah, and one last thing I forgot to mention is that about two years ago, I already founded a um, blockchain startup um, with which I uh, went to Tel Aviv to join the startup accelerator for three months and um, this didn't work out fully but it was uh, a great i had a great time i learned a lot it was a great experience and um, now i'm even more excited to do startups and this is why i'm with perun again and uh, yeah now i'm gonna go to hendrik
2: yeah uh, hi uh, my name is hendrik Emler. i'm also one of the co-founders of perun and um yeah i've joined Perun about uh, yeah six months ago and uh, it's kind of a funny story because um, I have a background in, in master's uh, in um, IT security, a, a master's in, in IT security. And uh, at the time, I was working at a startup doing KYC, also uh, founded here in Darmstadt. And uh, while I was doing my master thesis, uh, also at the research group of uh, Professor Sebastian Faust, so I learned that he moved from the U- Rural Universität of Bochum to Darmstadt, and I was like, oh, cool. Uh, like, one blockchain researcher, I have to... Uh, Write my thesis uh, with this professor. So um, F- I went to his first lecture, showed him my proposal, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, let's let's do this." So I did my uh, my master thesis here at university, and uh, he uh, coincidentally put me in the office with uh, Sebastian Stammler and Marius, also one of the co-founders, and then they kind of like sucked me into the the Perun world of state channels. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really, really exciting. I mean, uh, this wasn't my first uh, interaction with blockchain because I've been into this space uh, since 2013. So I started mining and started, like, writing some small uh, programs and uh, trading and, like, the whole thing. I think everyone uh, in the blockchain space does. And, uh, yeah, this is kind of my, my story. And uh, I have uh, a background in um, infrastructure so i've been working in data centers and we at peru also have like our own little uh, cluster that's blinking and stuff so uh, we actually moved there in the summer because it was so hot and there's no air conditioning so we moved to the server room so we (laughs) we we enjoyed some cool temperatures when it was like 40 degrees in germany yeah
0: I may add a little bit background to what you guys are saying, just for the simple reason that more than 75% of our listeners are actually listening to this podcast outside of Germany. At first, we want to tell Phobos used to be a retail store chain here in germany that was actually blockbuster it was also the place where i got my first personal computer i would add number two diploma is a degree that used to be uh, awarded here in germany it's between the masters and a bachelor's, but usually in the level of difficulty, it usually is a master's. And then finally, uh, buildings in Germany usually don't have ACs, but um, apparently we're now getting summers that actually do need it. I can see the guys on the other channel are already (laughs) smiling. So um, can you tell us a little bit about how your idea developed and uh, what market are you actually working on with your future startup?
1: Um, yes, so uh, w- what we are building is infrastructure software. So so our products are uh, scalability solutions, so very general concept, scalability to zo- solutions to blockchain. So our market really is focused on anyone applying blockchain technology. So at the moment, we see many companies, many consortia doing proof of concepts with blockchain. Um, but as soon as they hit production, they, like most applications, actually uh, will, uh, will, will see scalability problems. Uh, and this is where, where our product will come in.
2: Yeah, so maybe some more background on this. So uh, the scalability issue means that uh, public blockchains or uh, uh, such as Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin right now can only do 10 transactions per second. And if you wanted to put 1% of the global uh, uh, financial market on the blockchain, you would have to do more than like tens of thousands of transactions. And this is where we come in. So uh, we're targeting uh, right now larger companies, more than 500 employees that are already working with blockchain or are thinking about it but um, most recent reports uh, show that uh, they fear uh, security and the second thing they fear is the scalability issue that I just talked about. So we hit both of these uh, targets because our protocols that we uh, developed here at Theo Darmstadt are actually provable secure. So that means that on a protocol level there can be no more security issues. And uh, this is one, one major USP of us uh, that uh, we can fulfill. So, um, yeah. Uh,
0: uh, we, uh, we always try to um, make this podcast so everybody can understand it without any background. Um, from my understanding, basically, blockchain is a decentralized um, database. That actually gets bigger, uh, so to say, longer with every transaction, and that's where the scalability issue comes from, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry, we, we didn't give any background on blockchain yet. Yeah, we, we're sorry for that. Um, so yeah, blockchain to to sound less sexy is just an append only decentralized database. Uh, and uh, every so the database is modified by transactions so every time you want to modify for example the balance of, of, of people in the, in the blockchain uh, network you send a transaction and this transaction gets appended uh, and uh, several transactions are grouped into blocks and then uh, blocks uh, form the blockchain so uh, every block uh, so you basically what ha- what's happening is that um, that entities called miners are aggregating uh, transactions into blocks and then they try to solve a mathematical puzzle in the case of proof-of-work blockchains and then they uh, also have a pointer back to the prior block and then when, when the mining process is uh, successful this block gets introduced into the blockchain network and is broadcast so at, at the core blockchain is really just a solution to how do you decentralize a database and have a common view like a world view on the state of the database and uh, you have uh, you have several um, algorithms to find consensus those are called consensus uh, algorithms or consensus mechanisms like proof of work this is the famous proof of work that satoshi nagamoto introduced with bitcoin um, how do you actually find a common ground a common view of the database and this is what blockchain really is and but because you have to distribute those transactions and the state of the network through the whole network, um, you very quickly hit a scalability uh, problems, uh, scalability boundaries, and this is where our technology comes in.
0: Whew, okay um let's try to relate it a little bit to things everybody can understand so what is what is usually the uh, security concerns because um, at the beginning there have been many exchanges uh, bitcoin exchanges especially that got hacked and completely robbed so um, I do believe that's where one of the security issues is actually coming from are you actually helping with this Uh, No,
2: actually, um, we kind of depend on the security of the underlying blockchain. So what we're doing is uh, basically, uh, usually you have to, when you send a transaction in a blockchain, it has to be confirmed by thousands of parties in this decentralized network. And this takes some time. In Bitcoin, it takes like 60 minutes until one of those transactions is confirmed. And uh, this is the reason why uh, there is this limit of 10 transactions per second because everything has to be distributed and it takes a while and confirmed. And um, so what we're doing is uh, improving this by creating sort of a second layer above this this basic blockchain layer. So we kind of depend on the security of, of the blockchain layer. But um, yeah, <clears throat> I might add to that that,
1: for example, in the case of hacked exchanges, usually you don't have a security flaw in the blockchain itself, so it's it's not a problem with the consensus protocol or with or with the blockchain. For example, in the case of Mt. Gox, right? I mean, I think this was probably the most famous case of a um, exchange being hacked. Um, at no point was really um, the blockchain, like the. Bitcoin blockchain wasn't really hacked, but it was actually the SecOps ops of uh, Mount Gox that that were faulty. I mean, they are actually they actually claim that there was a problem uh, called malleability. So, transaction malleability is just like a technical term, but but uh, but it, it also isn't really a a like a security hole in 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 the blockchain uh, in the Bitcoin model, but it was really a um, hole in the um, security oper- operational security of Mount Gox. So we are not providing security for blockchain, like let's say an extra layer of security or something for companies like exchanges, but rather we're we're building something new on top of blockchain. So we do rely on the security of the underlying blockchain that is being used.
0: Okay, and can you explain like for people like me without a computer science background can you explain what you're building on top of this blockchain um
2: uh, yeah so basically like i said uh you don't send transactions uh, within the, fir- the the first layer of the blockchain so not thousands of people are confirming this but the idea is that we can send transactions peer-to-peer so for example uh, if, uh Uh, Sebastian and uh, I want to do a uh, a transaction I don't send it directly to the blockchain where it's confirmed by thousands of people but I send it to him directly and uh, most people then say well how is this secure because you're kind of bypassing the whole blockchain and uh, the idea is that we do both one transaction on the blockchain this is the first transaction and then we open a direct channel between the two of us And once this channel is established, we can send uh, immediate transactions, like thousands of media transactions, doesn't matter how many. And uh, once we decide that we are finalized, we can close this channel, which is also on the blockchain. And when we kind of disagree on something, so I say, well, I sent you something, and Sebastian says, no, you didn't, uh, then at any point in time, we both can... Put this channel that we opened on the blockchain so uh, we both get our fair share and on the blockchain there's something called the adjudicator who kind of decides uh, based on a, a predefined set of rules who actually gets what amount of money and uh, we have uh, proofs that we send between each other so I send him like a signature and uh, then it's it's kind of uh, finalized so he can be sure that he will get the money once I send like a confirmation that I sent one coin yeah so the whole just to add to that so the whole idea of of going off chain
1: of doing a second layer on the blockchain is that uh, instead of having every single transaction confirmed by the whole network uh, you 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 block a certain amount. So this is like we both enter a contract, and within this contract, so I really thinking in in terms of legal contracts, we might lock up some money, and the contract says, okay, we deposit say ten thousand euros in a bank account. And the contract says this is now locked and we can between each other with cryptographic means can uh, work with those 10,000 uh, euros. And then we can send each other um, cryptographically signed transactions that modify how those money is distributed between each other. And then only in the dispute case this uh, do we go to like a judge, to a court. And this is where the blockchain will only act as a judge. So the whole idea of second layer is really that instead of having every single transaction every modification so to speak of the blockchain database having completely been confirmed and checked by the whole network uh, you you lock up some assets like ether or like bitcoin uh, and then you can work with those locked assets in the two-party channel because two part the two parties or n parties can now agree how this is uh, distributed so this is like it works in the real world right so if we both enter a legal contract um, not every time we do some kind of uh, uh, company interaction, do we go to a judge? So the only time when we go to a judge or to a court is when we have a dispute, because then we can, we will, re- we will get to our lawyers and we will read the contracts and then we both discuss with the uh, with the court and then the court decides what was right or wrong and who actually won the dispute. And this is exactly how the blockchain is used in our case. So instead of having every single transaction being confirmed, this would be like every time you do a um, transaction or some interaction with a company in the real world you every time you go to a judge but you don't really need to do that right you only really need to go to a judge if there's a dispute and this is exactly what second layer technologies do
0: Uh, i see i now understand like opening a separate channel between you guys and we are more of a B2B channel, so a lot of our audience is entrepreneurs, is uh, founders, is um, people on a C-level, so can you give them some ideas how they could actually work with such a concept, how you could integrate it into software, into processes, stuff like that?
2: Yeah, sure, so uh, the first thing we're building right now um, is an SDK, so a software development kit, uh, that we want to release open source by the end of December uh, that can be used to integrate uh, our technology that we just described a second layer off chain technology into existing uh, blockchain systems. So these developer can, developers can use uh, our technology kind of as a library that you can add to, to a software and then they can utilize uh, our functionality if, uh, if that's easy enough to understand. <laughs> So yeah so like we said before our
1: our main target are really people who are already using blockchain um so if you have like a consortium with your, like your your company has has a group of other companies and you have a hyperledger fabric instance for example running so hyperledger is one of those proof of authority Uh, blockchains that is uh, being used for consortium blockchains right now and then uh, people could use those channels to to drastically increase the scalability and also the finality requirements on transactions so yeah like in the business to business context this is actually perfectly um, usable software um, to increase
2: increase scalability and also the, the the finality of a transaction yeah and um, we're currently working with uh, bosch and Telekom here in germany to uh, develop cool proof of concepts so uh, this is right now mainly iot so kind of uh, machine to machine communication so we're working on this uh, use case where we have a factory where not only uh, bosch is involved but other uh, parties within that uh, building so the idea here is that they don't really trust each other and uh, they kind of want or you have, uh, have a decentralized marketplace where you can kind of um, order specific things. So one guy offers to cut metal, another guy offers a robot who can move things from A to B, and you have kind of this marketplace, and then I can say, okay, I want uh, the Bosch robot to move something from A to B um, and, and kind of uh, have a, an assembly line between different parties within that building so it's all machine to machine communication iot so this is kind of uh, this is what i can talk about <laughs> so we're doing some more stuff but uh, uh, this is a project we're doing right now with uh, with bosch that's uh, really exciting i think yeah. and uh, bosch actually
1: uh, one and a half years ago already started cooperating with a research group of uh, sebastian faust and they also have their team internally implementing our protocols so they have a um, payment channel and proof of concept already running And I think also one of the uh, first examples that they have is like a drill, right, that you can pay with. So they they are currently building, they already have it, it's like a a smart drill, so to speak. And you can then pay the drill with tokens and then it just spins like the amount of tokens that you pay it. And this is just to highlight on what such a granular level you can now do. Um, the transfer of like payment transfers um, and this is one of the great um, things about channels that you can really do microtransactions on a sky a scale that is uh, is not imaginable before so in theory you could actually also use this uh, channel technology for centralized um, uh, financial networks so for example the visa network or even the paypal payment network could also introduce our channel technology to have direct um, peer-to-peer or even machine-to-machine payments without going over the server. So also like in the Visa case, it would look like this. Um, Both parties agree to lock up some funds and this would then be locked up with a central visa server. And then, after the visa server has recorded this funds being locked on the uh, on their server, then two de- de- um, devices could directly exchange cryptographic signatures to send microtransactions. And we're really talking about could be at thousands of a cent that is being sent every second to, to pay for some service. Um, yeah, and this is also possible with channel technology. So in an abstract sense, channel technology doesn't even depend on, on a blockchain uh, network as the transaction network, but it could also be a centralized network like Visa or PayPal but currently uh, we we are of course working with ethereum as the first backend because this is also where the whole research and and theory comes from but you know just to just to make sure that the technology could even be used in centralized transaction networks
2: yeah, so for example, uh, we also have use cases such as uh, streaming video, so if you stream a video, you don't have to pay for the whole movie, so if you 20 minutes into the movie, you realize, oh, it's so boring, uh, <laughs> I don't want to really watch it anymore, uh, then you only have to pay for those 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, we can do this like on a granular level, you can pay for each uh, five seconds or even every second, it's all within the realm of uh, possibility.
0: I was wondering when I've been listening to you guys, uh, just personally, I do have a fintech background, a finance background, working lots with technology. You've been talking like 10 transactions per second, if I do re- remember correctly, on Bitcoin. How fast could you scale? Uh, how big could you scale um, with your payment channel technology as in terms of transaction per
1: so the theoretical limit really, really is thousands of transactions per second because in a channel, the only two parties that are involved in those transactions are actually the two parties in a channel. And the only thing, like on a technical level, a transaction is nothing else but a cryptographic signature on some chunk of data. So really the throughput is really just hindered by, let's say, the network latency, the network throughput, and the uh, speed by which you're uh, CPU can produce sig- uh, cryptographic signatures and I mean right now you can easily generate I think 10,000 cryptographic like elliptic curve cryptographic signatures this is what's being used in Ethereum you could easily create 10,000 of those signatures in a second on a, on a modern uh, hardware and then probably your your bottleneck is actually going to be the network the network latency network throughput so this is really what limits the technology like the very bare network throughput and a cpu throughput
0: i see and with the right hardware you can even get faster than 10 times
1: i guess if you have like a very strong uh, uh network connection like a 10 or 100 gigabit per second network connection uh you, you, i guess you could even do that but then the question comes up where where you need so many in a single channel because this is very important to note we're not talking about Transaction throughput of the whole network, but between only two people right because in in, in our channels you, you you basically you have a set, you have a fixed amount of people i mean usually in a payment channel two people and then within that channel you can transact as many transactions as possible so if you, if you think about the whole network it scales even way higher right because if because it's really only between two people where you can reach say 10000 transactions per second but in the whole network it can be even like more like you can multiply it by the number of channels
0: I see, and the next question is of course, is there a theoretical or practical limit on the number of channels you can have here?
1: Hmm. I mean, you, I, I, so the thing is, it, channels itself become impractical um, if, if so if when we're talking about ledger channels ledger channels is what we call what is directly being funded by the by the blockchain or by the network um, then I mean it, it really is just a so there are no theoretical limits really I mean basically everyone could open a channel with everyone else. But then you have a practical, uh, like a, let's say you have a usability limit because you have to lock up funds. And imagine you have like a thousand customers and you have to lock up funds with each customer. Then you actually have a liquidity problem because you don't have enough funds to lock up. So I think they're not really theoretical limits on the, on the let's say, theory of it, on the technology. But it's rather a liquidity problem which you run uh, when, you, when you work with channels
0: i see and are you also working with some um models like trustees or something that actually those can a little bit work with the money so that you don't have to commit like 100 percent, but only like margins uh, like you do in terms of Eurex transactions um derivatives
1: yeah, very very good question because we're actually um, having active research right now. So maybe this is a good point to give a bit of background um, on the whole project because, uh, as we said before, right now the company is not funded, uh, founded yet, but um, it is still a research project within the Technical University Darmstadt, also in cooperation with the University of Warsaw. And the two professors, Sebastian Faust and Stefan Dzembowski, those are the, the co like the co-inventors of the whole Perron protocols and they have uh, several phd's working on all kinds of uh, uh, new technology and protocols that concern off-chain solutions for blockchains like payment channels state channels and also something completely else like uh, plasma chains which are called commit chains but uh, I, i'm not going to go into details here yet um, but uh, so I, i'm just giving this background to say that um, right now Perun is actually it's a huge group of researchers doing um, active research in many fields and one of the fields we are doing research in right now is really having uh, only partially funded, uh, uh, partially collateralized channels to have to build channel networks because this is actually one of the uh, when it gets really interesting our technology because you can have two people having a channel funded by the blockchain and then you can build complete networks with uh, with those channels this is also what lightning on bitcoin is doing so maybe one of the um listeners are familiar with the bitcoin lightning network and the bitcoin lightning network is the most prominent and biggest payment channel network so our technology is exactly doing this but what we are doing is on a more general level because we not only can run payments in those channels but actually completely uh, trans, uh, run uh, smart contracts in those channels so this is why it is a, a strict generalization of Bitcoin-style payment channels, but for other blockchains like Ethereum or Hyperledger. And so yes, we are, we are currently researching and thinking about how we could build complete channel networks where you could think about hubs in the middle, like, like uh, partially trusted or known hubs uh, um, that don't have to have full collateral, but only partial collateral.
0: Mm. I see. That's usually what you do in uh, derivatives clearing uh, facilities in the financial market. Sorry, I.
2: No, I was gonna say um, this is kind of how the banking system works right now as well. So you have like huge hubs. Those are the banks, and they have like a, a more or less trusted network between them. So they say I owe you some money, you owe me some money, and then they balance this somehow.
1: And, and and this and exactly this kind of topology and and uh, uh, situation is what we are currently researching to also m- reflect that in, in in channel networks. Because right now, if you look at the Lightning Network, if you also look at the current state of of uh, payment and state uh, channels in on Ethereum, you will only see fully collateralized channels, which is fine if you have two parties that are completely not trusting each other, right? Then it just makes sense to have it fully collateralized because there's nothing to be loosed. But if you really think about a big hub networks then it really makes sense to work with those uh, with trust here to have some element of trust between the uh, hubs
2: so the initial uh, thinking behind the lightning network was we are going to have this huge decentralized uh, payment channel network and everyone can can transact freely with one another we don't need any hubs or uh, trusted parties but then uh, a while later they figured out well uh, this doesn't really work because the routing is an issue. So if I want to route something to a different person, so a transaction, this takes some some time to compute. Actually, uh, right now the, trans- the network has 10,000 nodes, I think, and sometimes you run into issues where uh, actually finding a path to uh, the recipient of the money takes like 10 minutes or something like this. So uh, then now they, they're going back to this, uh, to this hub topology where you kind of like in the internet, your router connects to uh, a provider, and then this provider connects you to all the others. And because it would be infeasible for the internet to be fully decentralized because uh, it wouldn't be very, uh, there wouldn't be much performance. You would have to wait like a few minutes to open a web page, probably. <laughs>
0: I see, I see. And everybody can tell we are touching on very uh, cutting-edge technology and forward-looking uh, stuff here. Everybody would like to learn more, go down here in the show notes. There is a link to the LinkedIn profiles of the two guys I've been just talking with as well as to the website of Peru Networks. And, uh, I hope you guys also give me the link to all the research you've just quoted. And, um, I'll also put it in the show notes, wherever you are watching this, this video or, uh, listening to the audio track, go down here in the show notes. There's a link to our website, www.startuprate.io. And then a little bit text. That's our blog and, uh, the specific blog where you can find all the show note links. Hendrik, Sebastian, it was just a pleasure having you here. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. It was really a great pleasure talking to you, and I hope we could really give you an insight about the current state of uh, off-chain networks, state-channel networks. And if you build a uh, if you build a blockchain network and you hit scalability problems, call us.
2: Yeah, uh, thank you so much for the interview. If uh, you're interested in our technology, you can just reach out to us, and uh, we're... Yeah, like, uh, Looking forward to your feedback.
0: Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.